we thank you that you are so kind to grant unto us uh, not just uh, stories of you, Father, verbally, but you wrote these things down for us to study and to meditate upon. Uh, and then you empowered him by your spirit, Father, to grant unto us wisdom and understanding and insight into your nature, into your plan and will for all of humanity, and also your plan and will for us as individuals. And we thank you for the spirit of God, Father. We thank you that he lives on the inside of us. He's the great teacher. He's the great instructor. And we depend upon him entirely, Father, for wisdom and understanding of your word. And we thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. We'll, we'll get started there today. So we have been, uh, of course, uh, on Wednesday nights, we uh, typically do a verse-by-verse -verse, uh, studies. We, we're, we are in the book of Philippians, and um, uh, we're never in, in a hurry, right? So we just take it uh, as we go along, and, and um, um, we, <clears throat> we kind of go with the flow. And a lot of times we'll take a little rabbit paths and go along other directions as we uh, go through the scriptures there. Uh, but we got down to uh, Philippians chapter 2 and um, uh, verses 19 through 24. And, and this is talking about Timothy. So Paul is talking here uh, and he says, uh, we'll just read verses 19 and 20 again. He said, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state and he said in verse 21 for all seek their own not the things which are christ jesus which are jesus christ and so um so paul is sending timothy of course we we know that paul had a close relationship with timothy he wrote timothy two personal letters right first and second timothy and uh, he called him his own son in the faith uh, and uh and so he speaks highly of timothy uh, and uh the, the the part that's really important there really is verse uh, 20 and 21 for I have no man like-minded right of the same soul uh, of equal soul uh, and so Paul you know saying that the things that I want are the things that Timothy wants uh, and you know in in a relationship like this where you have somebody working for you in the ministry you know this is really important because if it's if it's uh, if there's always conflict or if there's always somebody wanting to do their thing instead of instead of your thing uh, it, it gets to be um, uh, too much trouble sometimes or, or just a lot of difficulty to get something done uh, and this is true you know not just in the ministry but in just in life and you know job you know, i've been i've been a, a manager and had many engineers working for me over the years different different times and seasons and the ones that were always easy to work with were the ones who were like-minded with you the things that you wanted were the things they wanted right and it wasn't about you know about micromanaging every jot and tittle of the things they did but you know, for example, I'd want things done in an orderly way. I'd want things done in an excellent way. And, and some of the engineers wanted things done in an orderly and excellent way. You know, there, there was, uh, uh, we won't go into all the details, but uh, when, when I became manager of that group, it was a lot of chaos. You know, nobody knew what anybody else was doing. Nobody knew what the whole group was doing. Everybody was doing their own thing, but there was no, no picture of things. And so, you know, part of my first responsibility was kind of get everything, you know, it was like herding cats, right? You got everything, get everything organized, and I'm a very organized person. Uh, and and the other thing that was important was, you know, when, uh, with like any company, people would come and go, right? Manager or engineers would come and go, and and if they left in the middle of a project, well, where's all the stuff, right? Where's where's all the drawings, and where's all the documents, and where where's all the stuff, right, for the project? And you know, I don't know, it's over there, it's over here. So you know, I said about or well, you know, every time you do a new a new project or something, here's how you're going to do it. Put all the stuff over here. So if you leave, it doesn't matter. We know where everything's at, right? We can find where all the materials are, who the customers are, everything, right? And 99% and of the engineers were fine with that. But every then you get, you know, when I'm going to do things my way, you know? And I always call them dinosaurs because they never like change, right? I've been doing this way, for, you know, since 100 years ago. Well, you know, there's, they invented this thing called electricity, and we're going to use it, right? And so you'd have to drag some of these dinosaurs along, you know, uh, who just, they, they, you know, they don't want to change. And the, the problem with that, with that whole mentality, in my mind, is do you look like the Lord Jesus yet? Do you sound like the Lord Jesus yet? Do you have the same faith that Jesus has as much as he had? Well, no, you don't sound exactly like him. You don't, you don't uh, think like he thinks yet, not 100%. So if you don't, then from now until you breathe your last breath on the air, there's going to be changing that's necessary. Right? You're going to have to change something. You have to change your, your confession, change your thought life, 
change what you believe as the Lord gives you more revelation. You know, there's just things you're going to be you're going to be growing and improving all the days of your life, hopefully. Right. Uh, and to just stop and say, I've been doing this forever, you know, well, then why did you uh, ever press on to the Lord after you got saved? I mean, you're saved right on the way to heaven. Don't ever need to go to church again. Just don't ever need to pray again. You know, you're on your way to heaven. Yeah. And, you know, some people have that mentality. And so uh, but if you get people that have the same goals and ambitions you do, everything's easier. Right. Uh, and not that people can't have opinions and not that people can't have some input to things. You know, hey, maybe we could do it this way or do it that way, because it wasn't about anything in particular. It was what's your ambition. Right. Uh, and so. Some people's ambition uh, in the workforce was all about them, right? Because what did Paul say here? He said, for all seek their own. Well, that's true in the ministry. That's true in the world, right? You know, there are plenty of people that work for me who were only about their, their career. They, they could care less about the company. And the problem with that mentality is lots of times they'll do things that may, look, make, may make them look good for a short period of time, but it's bad for the company, right? They may work all their employees 80 hours a week to get results, which looks good for the first three months. But then after that, nobody wants to work there. In fact, when I, when I took over that job uh, as the manager, uh, I immediately had several positions to fill. And so, you know, you post these positions uh, internally to the company and other engineers may want to come work in that group. And so I did that. Nobody wanted to work in that group. I got zero responses, nobody. Now, why? Because they just worked them 80, 100 hours a week and didn't care. Well, you know, uh, if, if something's major, a problem, and you got to do it for once or twice, okay, fine. But if that's your life, nobody wants that life. Uh, and so part of what I did, I had to rearrange, you know, rearrange the workload and hire some more engineers and that sort of thing. And, and by the time I left that position, I could post a position and I'd have a dozen uh, people from within the company wanting to work for our group, right? Because it was a good balance, right? It had good work to do. It was organized, and people knew what, the, what their expectations were. Uh, and so, uh, but, but some people, you know, they, uh, what Paul said here, uh, that uh, for all seek their own. Uh, and, uh, you know, th this is important if, if you're ever going to be in a position as a servant. Now, uh, the thing is, as a child of God, what's your number one position that you'll ever have? A servant, right? Your number one position you'll ever have is to be a servant of the Most High God. Now, we are all servants of God. I'm a servant of God. You're a servant of God. Amen. And that's the greatest position you can have in, in the earth is to be a servant and, and to, to serve the Lord. Uh, and so if, if, if you're only about your own ambition, right, and, and uh, uh, you know, we call it selfish ambition, which is, you know, nothing wrong with being ambitious. You know, I want to do things better. I want to improve things. I want to make things you know, work better, more smoothly, that's fine. But selfish ambition is, I want to do things so that I get ahead, so that I'm seen, so that I get uh, the reward, so that I get, uh, you know, I get my name on a plaque somewhere. And, uh, and so, uh, now, we're the church, right? We're not supposed to be that way. But anybody ever been seen competition in a church? Jockeying for position, you know, backstabbing this person over here. You know, uh, uh, I know when I was with my pastor, I, I had many positions in the church, you know, got fired from many of them and a lot of drama there, but, you know, never, uh, it was a lot of, you know, you've heard many of the stories there, it was a lot of unfortunate things, but I never pursued any position. I was asked to do many of them. I was on the board of elders and on the board of the church, you know, and, and um, uh, ran the sound for a while and, you know, just different things. And, and um, uh, but, but uh, there was a few people who just, they, they always wanted whatever I had. And I could care less. Take it. I don't want it. You know, I didn't want it to begin with you know, because, you know, I don't mind doing things. But if there's drama, I don't like I don't do drama. Right. You want drama. I don't do drama. And, and uh, around here, this is a drama free zone. You walk in that door. No drama. Right. Uh, and if you want to bring drama, we'll have to have a conversation. Right. And I've had a few conversations. Not many. I mean, we've been at church for now uh, for 14 years and, and uh, we've had a couple conversations not many right and, and I don't expect to see many because we're not drama people now usually if there's a lot of drama in the church you know why there's a lot of drama in the church because there's drama in leadership right if the pastor's full of drama there's going to be drama in the church right uh, and if there's no no drama in the pastor there's going to be very little there's always going to be some because people just you know that he Paul said for all seek their own you know that's not always a hundred percent but the people that he's been dealing with in this these situations are were all all had selfish ambitions so 
But you're, you're always going to get that in any church, right? Because uh, you've got people coming in, people going out. Yeah, and that's fine, right? We de- we'll deal with it. Uh, but uh, when, when people walk in without a desire to be a servant, that's the issue, right? The biggest issue is when people don't want to be a servant. And they want, they want a name, a title. And, and look, I'm not opposed to titles at all. I remember I was with one ministry, uh, and, um, uh, and they started out, they said, it was like a minister's meeting, and they, so they started out, so we always run the ministry by biblical principles. I thought, that's great, praise God. That seemed like that would be a good idea, right? You're going to run a ministry by biblical principles. And then they said, but we don't ever give anybody any titles, because as soon as we give somebody a title, they get the big head. Now, they just said five seconds before that, they do everything by biblical principles. But then they said, we never gave anybody titles. Now, does it matter? It didn't matter. But don't put those two things together because how many titles are in the New Testament? Any apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, elders, deacons, bishops? Uh, uh, I mean, there, uh, there's exhorters, right? All kinds of titles in the New Testament. Anything wrong with having a title? Nothing wrong with having a title, right? What if they get the big head? Well, then shoot them in the kneecap or something and, and just, you know, just deal with it help people right because sometimes people don't have the grace to have a title and you know they suddenly you know okay we're gonna we're gonna uh, put you in charge of, of a door greeting and then you know people start walking the door and the door greeter may be like well we don't want you here <laughs> it's like well okay so maybe the door greeter needs to back it off a little bit right don't don't be so aggressive there right uh, and so you can work with them, amen? Well, I'm the door greeter. You know, that's my job. I, I can't just let anybody in here. Well, you know, it's okay to let some people in here, amen? What if they're in sin? Well, I mean, you know, it uh, seems like if they're in sin, a good place to be would be to go to church and hear the word of God, amen? Uh, and, and I understand sometimes you've got to deal with things, right? But uh, I would much rather a sinner be in the church than not be in the church, wouldn't you? Because at least they can get help here. Now, if they're going to be belligerent and not want help and just trying to stir up strife and we may have to deal with that, right? But, uh, and so, but in the church, there's a lot of selfish ambition. Any, any organization in the world is going to have people with selfish ambition who, who are seeking their own. Uh, and Paul said, you know, that, that's a bad thing, right? Paul, you know, this is 2,000 years ago. Anything changed? Nothing's changed, right? Why? Because people are people. People will always be people. Uh, and you know, I've traveled, you know, lots of different places all over the world, different countries, lots of different countries, and the thing that I've found is people are the same everywhere. doesn't matter what language you speak, what color you are, people are the same. People, good people are good people, and bad people are bad people. Amen? Um, and so, uh, so let's, let's go back then to uh, 2 Kings. So we were just looking at just a couple of examples from, from the scriptures about uh, some of these things, about someone being like-minded. And so, uh, so we're going to look at just the first you know, good example uh, about somebody who's working for somebody and had the right attitude. And of course, uh, we could use several examples. I think you could use Joshua and um, uh, Moses, uh, but that's over a longer period of time. We're going to use um, uh, Elijah and Elisha here. And so, um, so we, we started this in Second Kings chapter 2. And you know, at this point in time, we're in Second Kings, so uh, Elijah has been the, the, the premier... Uh, prophet of the, of the nation of Israel. And he's working with Ahab and Jezebel and doing a lot of, you know, he's the one who stopped the rain for a year and a half and, and then the rain started again. And, uh, and so, uh, but at some point uh, in, over in chapter 18 of 1 Kings, the Lord said, go anoint Elisha in your stead. Um, so that's, that was, you know, many chapters ago, and, and the, the people who figure out these things have said this is about 11 years from the time that uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 where Elijah anointed Elisha in his stead. In other words, you're going to take over from me. But there was no time frame put on it, right? And so here it is 11 years later. So number one, uh, Elisha has got a pretty good attitude, right? Uh, any selfish ambition with Elijah? Well, I should have been... You know, I should have been uh, king long ago or, or, or prime, uh, prime prophet a long time ago. But the Lord didn't give anybody any, any particular uh, time frame there, right? Now, if you look at the, the, the difference between uh, in that situation versus uh, David and Saul, right? You go over and look at the story with David and Saul uh, there in uh, 1 Samuel 15 where, where Saul was, was uh, removed from the king. 
right? Samuel said, you're no longer king. Well, he still was king. He stayed king till the end of the book there, pretty much. And um, uh, like seven years after his expiration date. He should have left immediately is what he should have done because Samuel said, you know, you're fired. But he stuck around. You know, some people stay past their expiration date, right? Uh, and so, um, uh, but David had a great attitude. He struggled a little bit, but he had a great attitude overall for the, while he waited for the Lord to, to make it come to pass. But Elijah has served Elijah for these 11 years faithfully, you know, and, and so, so here they are. Uh, it's getting close to the time for Elijah to, to be gone, so uh, to, to go home to be with the Lord. And, uh, and so let's start here just in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, you know, stay here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. So they're in Gilgal. And he said, I've got to go to, to Bethel. You stay here. Now, Elisha was a prophet in training, right? So he, he, by this time, he knew some things about the Lord and knew how to hear from the Lord. And, and he said unto him in, in verse 2, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So, uh, in fact, you know, this has kind of been the relationship the whole time, right? Uh, remember when Elijah, uh, back in, in 1 Kings 18, when Elijah went and, and anointed Elisha, uh, he said, well, let me go, you know, kill some cows and oxen, you know, we'll have a big party, I'll, I'll catch up with you. And he's like, well, whatever, you know, and so he got up there, he caught up with them, what are you doing here? I'm here to serve, you know. And so uh, Elijah never seemed like he was super nice to Elisha. Uh, is it okay for leaders to be nice to the people that work for them? You know, it's perfectly fine. You know, Jesus apparently had a pretty good relationship with the apostles because didn't John lay on the, on the bosom of Jesus there at the Last Supper? I mean, that's, I'm not comfortable with anybody doing that, right? I don't know if I ever would be, but that's so that, so that they were pretty close, right? And I think sometimes in the leadership that people don't look at, because I think Jesus was always the best example of everything, right? I think if, if, if you look at the example between, say, Elijah and Elisha, Elijah always seemed to be really short with Elijah, or Elisha, right? Elijah was always just, what are you doing here? You know, do you stay here? Yeah. And, and we, don't, we don't have much other details in that relationship, but it was always seemed to be, you know, uh, I, I don't know if Elijah was just was just in a bad mood all the time or just, you know, maybe these are just a couple of examples that we were given and maybe it was okay other times. But sometimes in the leadership role, we take these examples and we follow these examples, which I'm not sure they're the best examples, right? We should follow the best example, which is Jesus. You know, in, in fact, I know um, other people have said uh, in the ministry, uh, in fact, they've said this to, to pastors, Pastors, you're never allowed to be friends with anybody in your church. That's always a mistake. And I, and I just, uh, and the reasoning was, see, if you become my friend, then you'll stop having respect for me and, and be disrespectful to me in the church. Well, that's on you, not on me. I mean, if you choose to do that, well, I don't know why you do that, but, you know, I was friends with my pastor. I never disrespected him. Uh, and, uh, and I thought, well, you know, why would I uh, do something out of fear, right? Why would I live my life in such a way to not have a relationship with somebody because I'm afraid of what they might do? Well, then don't have a relationship with anybody because they might, you know, they said they'll just stab you in the back. But I'm not gonna live, am I going to live in fear? Did Jesus live in fear? I mean, Peter, James, and John were his, you know, he had... 12 associates, but three of them are really close, right? All of them are fairly close, but 12, three of them are really close, right? Peter, James, and John. Uh, and he said, you're my friends. He called them his friends, right? Uh, and so he said, you're no longer servants, but you're friends. So, I mean, Jesus called them his own uh, people friends, right? So now look, I, none of my business, however you want to, you know, I mean, if you want to be a leader somewhere, right? Do, do it however you want to. But don't, don't, uh, don't say that the Bible supports your particular uh, way of being a leader if it doesn't support that, right? And so, uh, so I, you know, I've been friends with lots of people. I count several of you, you know, fairly close friends, and I've got no problem with being closer friends to anybody in the church. Uh, what, if they, what if they, you know, stab you back and leave the church? I'll take another friend. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's not like it's, it's my life is over, right? Uh, and so what if somebody suddenly loses respect for you. Well, that's not on me. That's on them, right? I never lost respect for my pastor. And I saw 
you know, I, I've been to his house dozens of times, right? Of course, he's been gone be with the Lord many years. I, I saw how he didn't treat his wife as well as he could have. Now, it wasn't just awful, but it wasn't as good as it could have been, in my opinion, right? He, you know, he didn't honor her. Sometimes he let his kids dishonor his wife and didn't, didn't say anything. You know, my kids, you know, they, I've called I've probably all my kids down. You're not going to say that to your mother. You know, you're not going to do that. You know, they're not, uh, I got no problem with that at all. Uh, and, and so, uh, so, you know, there's a lot of things that people use as examples in, uh, in, in the scriptures. And you've got to be careful about using any examples to a strong way if it's not the Lord Jesus. Because all these are fallible people, right? These are people that are not perfect. And so you can't say, well, they did it, and so it's, it's fine. It, that's, you've got to be careful about that, amen? You know, and so, um, uh, so anyway, uh, so Elijah said, you stick, stick around here. I'm going to go away. And Elijah said, no, you're not. I'm going to be with you. And it says in verse 3, And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. So Elisha knew, right? So this was a revealed information by the Lord to Elisha that Elijah was leaving this day. Now there's these, these sons of the prophets, you know, there was, apparently there was a school of prophets, right? And you go to school. I mean, I don't know how you could be, go to school to be a prophet, but apparently you can. And so... Um, of course, I know this is Old Testament, and, and um, uh, you know you still have to be called, right? It's not just you choose to do it as a profession. Uh, and so, uh, so he said, "I know it. You know, be quiet." Uh, and it says in verse four, and Elijah said unto him, "Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho." So you know they went to Gilgal, to Bethel. Now, now he's going to Jericho. He said, "As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee." So they came to Jericho. So this is the story, right? They, they keep, uh, Elijah, it keeps traveling. He goes to, uh, he goes to Jericho. He goes to Jordan. Uh, and every time Elijah says, you stick here, I'm going to go on to the next place. And, and Elijah said, no, I'm called to be with you. Now, that's the thing I appreciate is Elisha knew his place. His place was to be, he called him the minister uh, of, Elisha, of Elijah, right? That was his role. And even, even, uh, Elijah couldn't get him to not do his role. Uh, and to me, that's, that's a sign of, of a person who knows their place, right? And when I say their place, I don't, I'm not trying to belittle that, right? Elijah had an important job to help Eli Elijah. Uh, and uh, in fact, you know, I, and I tell people all the time, don't ever diminish your role, whatever your role is, right? Don't ever say, well, I'm just a door greeter, or I'm just, you know, a singer, or I'm just a sound man, or I'm just... Don't ever say that, because the helps ministry, the Bible calls it a ministry, right? It's a ministry assigned to people by the Lord Jesus himself as the head of the church, right? So don't ever diminish, Paul said, you know, I magnify my office. Well, you can magnify your office in the sense that the things that I do, even though uh, other people don't think it's important, uh, if that's what I'm called to do, then it's important, amen? Uh, and, and I don't want to ever diminish any role that anybody plays in the church, because uh, you know, I, I know at one time, you know, the Lord's always gifted me. I was trained as an engineer, uh, educated as an engineer. I worked as an engineer for many years. So I have an engineer, you know, I think like an engineer, right? Uh, I'm a problem solver. I like things done in an organized, organized way. You know, I mean, it, I was shy of just a, uh, a uh, what do they call it, a, a pocket protector, right? I never had one of those, but, you know, because I have a pocket square instead, right? But uh, so... Um, in fact, I was at a, my friend's office one time. I was, we were looking for something, and I found a box of pocket. You know what a pocket protector is? I know Bob knows what it is, right? But it's a, it's a little plastic insert in your in your shirt pocket that you get. You know, it's like a little sleeve, and you put all your pen because an engineer's going to have a thousand pens and pencils, right? So you put all your pens, in, and that way you don't get a little pen, uh, ink stain on your shirt, right? When you put all your pens in there, so you can put a dozen pens. You know, you put sharpies, you put everything in there, uh, and uh, and it's kind of a write a passage for engineers to have something like that you know uh, and so uh, anyway but but that's 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 always been me and i came out of the womb that way you know i came out of the womb going doctor you sure that knob over there is turned the right way you know I'm like, no, you, can, uh, you know it's just that's who the lord made me and i'm okay with it right but sometimes in the ministry uh in fact i was told one time by someone before i was in the ministry by someone in the ministry and they said if you have the ability to do anything other than ministry Right. So in my case, I had the ability to be an engineer. They said, if you if you have the ability to do anything other than be a minister, you are not called to be a minister. 
really, do you have any book chapter verse for that? There's no book chapter verse for that, right? That's a, isn't that the dumbest thing you ever heard? Because what was Paul's profession in the natural world? He's a tent maker, right? So could he do something other than be the great apostle Paul? You know, he probably, I bet he made good tents, right? What was Jesus' profession, as far as we know? We assume, you know, we kind of assume he was, but, uh, but uh, more than likely, what was his profession? He was a carpenter. Gee, you're a carpenter. You know, you reckon he's a pretty good carpenter? I mean, just think how much, you know, made by Jesus would sell on eBay, right? I mean, you know, you got a little horse or something figurine made by Jesus. I mean, it'd sell for a gazillion dollars right, on eBay, right? Because, I mean, it'd be the perfect. It'd be, you know, nearly alive. It'd be, it'd be amazing, right? Was, did he stay a carpenter the rest of his life? No. So it's just, it's folly to, to say things like that. And, and people who say things like that are people who really don't, can't do anything else besides be a minister. And that's fine. You know, some people were, were, were a minister the day they, they got saved. I mean, the day they got, came out of the womb. They're, and that's fine. That wasn't my path. Uh, in fact, um, uh, uh, there's, if you read John Wesley's, um, if you read John Wesley's uh, uh, diaries and, and his, uh, uh, his writings over the years, he had a conversation with a bunch of leaders one time. He said, you know, you all think that if you're not smart enough to be an accountant, if you're not strong enough to dig a ditch, you know, if you can't do other things, then uh, all you can do is be a minister. He said, that's the worst idea in the world. He said the ministers ought to be the smartest people, ought to be the hardest working people, you know. Uh, and, of course, you can take it out of balance in that way too, right? So unless, unless you're smart, you can't be a minister. Well, I mean, you know, my pastor, he skipped, like, from second grade to twelfth grade in school, right? He cheated his way through school, and he was a terrible student. And, but he was called. I believe 100% he was called. And, and, and he knew nothing about the world, right? He knew nothing about how stars worked and how sunshine worked and rain and radio frequencies and sound waves. And, and so we'd have these long discussions because I'm an engineer, right? I can explain how, you know, because he'd ask one time, he said, how is it that sound is so slow, but, you know, you can hear a radio station from Nashville like it's right next door. And so I explained him the difference between sound waves and how they travel, you know, about 750 miles an hour and radio waves travel about 186,000 miles a second. And so, you know, there's, that's a difference in speed, and, and so that's why, right? And, and so we won't go into all the details there. If you need any more, I'm sure Bob will be glad to explain the rest of it to you, right? And so, uh, but see, we had great conversations like that. He didn't know, he didn't know how anything worked. And I love telling him, and, and so what I would do, see, I was smart because I was like, okay, I'm going to tell you how radio waves work if you tell me what, you know, uh, John chapter 2 means. So to me, it was like, a, you know, a fair exchange, right? You've got to tell me, you know, tell me how the Spirit of God works. Tell me how the Holy Ghost works. Tell me how... You know, tell me how these things work. And, and so, you know, to me, because it's, it's two-way conversation. I, I'll tell you anything, you know, how atoms work, protons, electrons, you know, I'll tell you all that. But you've got to tell me, you know, why the Lord Jesus do it this way. Uh, and I asked him, we had lots of conversations like that. And it, and it was great, right? And so, you know, to me, if you're called, you're called. End of discussion. doesn't matter if you're smart, if you're dumb as a brick. It, it, it doesn't matter. Are you called or are you not called? Amen. And everybody has their part to play in the body of Christ. And if you're called, then you're called, regardless of, you know, the, from what I could tell, Paul was an incredibly intelligent person. Uh, and, and it appears like maybe the fishermen weren't, weren't the sharpest tacks, you know, out there, right? Uh, we don't know, but, it, it, you know, some of these things, some of the questions they would ask Jesus, you know, it's like, really? Uh, and so, uh, so here we are then with, with Elijah and Elisha. And so, of course, we know how it ends, right? Uh, and it comes down to verse 9 of Second Kings chapter 2. And it came to pass when they were gone over, uh, gone over the Jordan River that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. So, you know, in, in my, this is a little bit of my opinion, but my opinion is that Elijah was really testing Elisha. Are you willing to go the extra mile and stay all through these travels, right? All these, these cities from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho to Jordan. Uh, are you willing to stay with me all this way? Even as many times as I tell you to, to, to stay back, are you willing to stay with me? And if you are, you know, then, then you get this reward, right? And, and so just whatever you want. Just ask whatever you want to. And, of course, you know, he's smart, right? He could have asked for a new house, a new car, you know, uh, a new pair of shoes, but no, what did he ask for? Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Well, why is it a hard thing? Well, because it's not something he can really get, right? Uh, even if he, 
It's not something he can have faith for. He can make a request from the Lord, but he doesn't really know at this point in time is that something the Lord will give. And that's why it's a hard thing. Uh, and so, because the anointing is sovereign. The anointing, the Lord gives the anointing as he chooses to give the, the anointing, right? And so, uh, but he said, uh, but he also knew the Lord, right? He said, thou hast such a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I'm taken away from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. So he kind of, he gave, gave himself an out, right? His wealth, if, if it's the Lord's will, basically, because this is a sovereign thing, uh, who the Lord places his spirit upon and to what degree, uh, here's the deal. And so, so what do you think Elijah's thinking? <laughs> if you see me when I'm going, you know, I ain't taking my eyeballs after you for nothing. There's no way, you know, you, you know if you sneak out in the middle of the line, I'm going to find you. Uh, and so it came to pass in verse 11, as they went on and talked that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. So if he saw it, then he got it, right? That was a deal. If he saw him go up, then he got the double portion. And he cried, My father, my father, and the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and went and rent them in two pieces. Uh, and we're not going to go through it all, but if you, go, if you look at the story from here to the end of the chapter, all those cities that Elijah had gone through, Elisha went and retraced all of those steps, went exactly the exact back, backwards order uh, from, uh, from Jordan to, uh, to Jericho, or uh, actually from... Uh, yeah, from Jordan to Jericho and Bethel to Gilgal. And so uh, Elisha just re retraced all the steps of his father in the faith, right? So he didn't make his own path. He followed the path that his father had laid for him. Uh, and so even after the death of Elijah, it really wasn't a death when he was just taking up, right? Because uh, there are only two people in the Bible that never saw physical death, right? Who are the two people? Anybody know? Sorry, I'm mumbling, right? It, it, it was uh, Enoch and, and Elijah, right? Uh, and so, and that's one, that's one theory about who the two witnesses are, that it's Enoch and Elijah. You know, I don't really know. I don't know uh, who they are, but that's not a bad, it's not a bad assumption, right? Because those, uh, those are the only two people that have never tasted physical death. Uh, and so, so, uh, so here they are, uh, and the, the thing that's nice is even after the death uh, or the removal of Elijah, Elisha is still following in his steps. And that's, that says something to me. Because, uh, you know, even though my pastor uh, passed away in 2007, I've always felt like uh, my call is to continue his call, which his call was to have a church that, that uh, teaches the word of God and allows the spirit of God to move freely. A word and spirit church, right? Uh, and, you know, some churches are mission-oriented churches some churches are education like school you know like k-12 through school oriented you know and nothing wrong with that right some some are, are invested in uh, in um, ministry to to uh, people with drug addictions and that sort of thing and i think all the above is fine right uh, i believe my call is to continue in the word and spirit uh, uh, ministry amen uh, and which is the because that's the path that the Lord had given to my pastor, and that's always this, the sense that I've had for my calling is to con continue that, not to do something different, right? So follow the same footsteps that uh, my father did there. So, so that that's the story with Elijah and Elisha, and and I wanted to go through that because it really shows the heart of Elisha, right? His this is his heart. He was like-minded, right? He was of equal soul with his father. In fact, he he not only wanted what his father had. He wanted a double portion of what his father in the faith had, right? I want exactly what you've got, but I want more of it. You see, a lot of times people are like, well, when you leave, I'm doing my own thing. I don't want a double portion of what you've got. I want to do my own. I want to place my own mark. But, you know, uh, I've been in the ministry now for 14 years, full-time ministry, you know, before that, uh, ministering a lot, but in the ministry full-time for 14 years. And I'm fine with, with this being the rest of my life, right? To, to stay in this path, right? The Word and Spirit ministry, not suddenly become you know, something else, right? I don't know what else is there, right? Suddenly we're going to become, you know, whatever. Uh, and uh, because that's, that's what the, that's the, the, the ministry the Lord has given to me, amen? Uh, and so, uh, but I want to look at one other example. We're in Second Kings chapter 2, just turn over a couple chapters to chapter 5. Uh, and so, um, 
So in 2 Kings chapter 5, now, now of course, Elijah has been gone now. Elijah, uh, or Elijah has been gone now. Elisha uh, is now the premier prophet in the nation of Israel. But, you know, even though he had a double portion, if you look at the number of miracles that uh, Elisha did that was recorded versus the number of miracles that Elijah did that was recorded, it's, it's about twice as many, right? Almost exactly twice as many miracles that Elisha did that Elijah did uh, as far as what we have recorded. <clears throat> and so it seems like he got the double portion, right? I mean, as far as we can tell, he got a double portion. Uh, but, uh, but even in that, you know, it never seemed like Elisha ever really held the same position in the nation of Israel that Elijah did. You know, Elijah just, uh, you know, he's talked about even by the Lord Jesus, you know, and, and uh, John the Baptist was, had the same spirit of Elijah on him. Uh, and so I think it just goes to whatever the calling they had, the role that they were supposed to play. And so Elijah had to play his role, and Elisha has to play his role. But now at this time, several years later, now, now uh, where Elisha was Elijah's servant, now uh, Gehazi is Elisha's servant, right? But Gehazi is a little different in his role. He, his, uh, his role is not to replace Elisha. Right? There's nothing in here. He's not a prophet. He's not a son of the prophet. He's just a, a helper to Elisha, right? And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, uh, the, the, we're not diminishing Gehazi's role as a helper to Elisha, but, you know, it's, a, it's slightly different, right? Uh, uh, Elisha was always supposed to take over in, Elisha, in Elijah's stead, uh, but, and even in that, you never saw Elisha have ambition to you know, he didn't go into Elijah's house, start measuring their drapes, you know, windows. Well, I'm going to be having this house someday. So, you know, when you, when you kick the bucket, this is mine, right? He, there was none of that stuff, right? None of the stuff about, hey, are you feeling okay? You look a little sick, you know, can I have your job tomorrow? Um, and so, um, but then you got Gehazi here. So Gehazi is, is uh, uh, Elisha's servant, right? So we know the story here. This is a story with Naaman. Uh, the Syrian, right? Naaman had had leprosy, and um, and of course they had by this time Syrian had attacked Israel, had taken some prisoners, and one of the prisoners they took was a, was uh, was an Israeli Israeli uh, girl, and uh, she was a servant in the house, and so you know she found out about Naaman's uh, leprosy, and she said, "Would that you know Naaman was in Israel where the prophets are at, and and uh, uh, he'd get healed." And so they found out about it, and so, uh, so instead of finding out who the prophet was, they sent a letter to the king. Hey, I'm, Naaman's coming to get healed. And, of course, that made everybody really nervous, right? Uh, and so, uh, so we're going to uh, skip a lot of that just because you can read the, uh, that part of it uh, there uh, from basic, basic verses 1 through 19 there. Uh, so that's where, uh, in this whole story, Naaman finally makes it to Israel. He goes, finds Elisha. Uh, Elisha says, go dip in the, in fact, Elisha doesn't even come out of the tent, right? Uh, Naaman, the great general, uh, shows up and is expecting a big fanfare, right, and, and all these things, and, and uh, uh, of course, uh, <laughs> Elisha, you know, he's a man of God. Everybody else is secondary to Jehovah, right? And if, you, if you're a general to some Syrian army, it means nothing to Elisha, the prophet, right? And sometimes we, we, we defer to people as if they're somebody more important than God himself, right? Well, there's nobody more important than God. So, of course, uh, Naaman got his feelings hurt because Elisha didn't come out and make him do some awesome thing and, and um, told him to go dip seven times in the River Jordan. And um, uh, he got mad, left, and his servant said, look, if he told you to do something hard, wouldn't you do it? Just, just do it. Just, it's not that hard. Just go do it. And so he did. And, he got, of course, he got healed, right? Uh, and so... Uh, so he so he he got healed, and um, um, and then he came and offered money to Elisha. Now, uh, you know his, his heart wasn't wrong in that, right? He wasn't trying to buy anything. He didn't try to offer him money first and say, you know, if you heal me, I'll give you a bunch of money. That, he didn't make that deal, right? Because that would have been disrespectful. But he did get healed, and so because he was so thankful, he tried to offer Elisha money, right? And uh, he, he offered him a bunch of stuff. Uh, and uh, Elisha said, nope, you know, uh, it, it's, uh, it's not time uh, to do that, right? It's not time to receive 
uh, to receive it, right? Uh, and so uh, he said, in fact, so it's what Elisha said in verse 16, but he said, as the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him, Naaman urged him to take it, but he refused. Uh, and so that's fine, right? Because in the ministry, you have to be really careful to never have the appearance that you're selling the anointing of God, right? You've got to be really careful to, you know, I mean, if you pray for somebody, they get healed, and they come back, uh, you know, pastor, you know, you prayed for me, and I got healed. Here's $100. No, that, that would, you know, that would be bad, right? And it's not even necessarily bad on the person offering it because they're just so happy, right? They're just joyful to do that. But you've got to be careful. In fact, anybody remember here, Jack Cole? Anybody ever heard of Jack Cole? So he was one of the greatest healing evangelists back during the healing revival from 1947 to 1958. And, and uh, you know, there were so, there was, there so many wonderful things that happened during that time period, you know, 11-year period, some most spectacular healings in our nation, history ever, right? It was going on during that time period, and healing was everywhere. Uh, people that didn't even have healing ministries would start praying for people, and they would start getting healed. It was just in the air. Uh, but then you'd have these you know, kind of superstars like, like uh, Jack Cole and, and other great ministries uh, that were on the scene at that point in time. And you know, part of the problem with that is if you're not well-grounded in the Word of God and well-grounded in your character, when you suddenly have, have magnificent healings occur, if you're not already established in the Lord and, and His character, it's really hard on your flesh to do that because people will worship you. If you're not careful, people will worship you. Uh, anybody with a strong anointing, people will try to worship them. Amen? Uh, and, and you've got to be established to who you are. I'm a child of God. I'm made out of dirt. I'm unworthy to be worshipped. And if, you're, if you haven't settled that in your heart long before, here's the thing that, that's hard for us to understand sometimes. The anointing of God is sovereign. You know, we know that from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right? Uh, as he wills, right? He gives us the gifts of the Spirit as he wills. Amen? There in verse 7 of uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's as he wills. Not as I will it, but... So he can put as much of the Spirit of God on you as he wants. And so when the Spirit of God is on you in a manifest way, miracles can just happen. Now, miracles can always happen by faith, right? But that, that's a different... Uh, environment than when the Spirit of God is in manifestation. And when the Spirit of God is manifestation, you have spectacular miracles, instantaneous miracles, all kinds of wonderful things like that. Uh, and it seems like, you know, the Lord's not a respected person. He will put it on whoever He puts it on. And, and it's up to us to be vessels of honor to receive it where it doesn't go to our head, where we don't uh, merchandise the anointing. Anybody remember that book by Rick Renner? He wrote many years ago called Merchandise the Anointing, where people would take advantage of, uh, of uh, platforms, right, uh, ministry platforms, and basically increase their, their own pocketbook. Uh, and, and it was terrible back in the, back in the 80s. Um, anybody remember phone cards, right, back before cell phones, right, back before uh, uh, fiber optics were all over the country? It used to be really expensive to make a long-distance phone call, right? Uh, and, and it was, uh, and so you, after 9 p.m., it was cheap, Right? And so after midnight, it was really cheap. And so you always call your friends at, at 1 a.m., right? Uh, and so, you know, nowadays kids are like, what are you talking about? I can just call, I can call the, around the world on the, on the iPhone. And, and it's nothing, it costs nothing, literally costs nothing. I talk to my, I've got friends over, you know, overseas. I call them and it doesn't cost a penny, right? Back then it would cost, you know, a dollar a minute to, to talk or $5 a minute to talk over long, long distance overseas. Well, these, these, uh, uh, long distance companies came up with these phone cards, discount phone cards. So if you, if you, if you, instead of dialing my number, you dial that number and then my number and it would be cheaper. And so what they figured out is, is what we need, we, it's multi-level marketing, right? We need a bunch of people to sell these things. And, and so they, they got in the church and they said, well, pastor, if, if, if you get all your people to sell these phone cards, then you get a cut of all the people in your church selling these cards, right? Uh, but the problem with that is, you know, if people love their pastor, what are they going to do? Oh, yeah, where do I, I'll sign up. Where do I sign up, right? And, and, you know, we've always been taught, love your pastor, right? Should you love your pastor? You should love your pastor. I love my pastor, right? You should love me. I'm a wonderful person, right? Uh, and so, uh, but if I come up here and say, I've got a great deal for you. You can make a lot of money if you, if you sell this phone card for me. Not realizing that, that I'm also making a lot of money because if you sell phone cards and you sell phone cards and you sell phone cards, 
that I get a cut of all your sales. You get a cut of your sales, but I also get it. So if I've got 1,000 people in a church and I've got 200 people selling phone cards, phone cards, I'm making pretty good money doing nothing, literally doing nothing, right? That's multi-level marketing, right? People at the top make a lot of money. People at the bottom do all the work. Sweet deal if you can get it, right? But the problem is you're merchandising the anointing. You're taking advantage of, of my position as a pastor really coercing you for my personal financial benefit. Amen? And, and so, uh, in fact, Dr. Dufresne, anybody remember Dr. Ed Dufresne? The Lord spoke to him. You go and, and, and start correcting this. You start telling these churches that's wrong. And he started doing that. And you know what? Because they stopped selling phone cards, they quit calling him. I don't know if it was, you know, because they didn't have a phone card to call him or not, but it was because, you know, he was attacking their income stream. And they didn't like that. And so they just quit calling him. And he went to the Lord and said, Lord, you know, if I, they're, they're not calling me. He said, I thought I was your source and not the church's. Well, yeah, I know, Lord. But still, they're not calling me, right? And so, uh, so he had to deal with it. That's part of the job of the prophet, you know, jerk slack out of the church. And, well, well that's, that's the problem, right? In the ministry, you've got to be so careful about, uh, about having the appearance of evil, about doing anything that, that's going to, you know, I've no, got no problem with, with ministry, ministers receiving a, a salary. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, what the problem is, if I get up here and go, oh, it sure be nice if somebody give me some money, you know. Wow, you know, uh, I was almost broke yesterday. Anybody got any money? You know, oh, yeah. the Lord told me for you to give me an extra offering, right? And prophets would do that. You know, back in the, those, those healing revival days, they would say, the Lord shows me that you've got a diamond ring from your second grandmother in your top drawer of your dresser. And the Lord said, you've got to give that to me. And people did that. They, uh, uh, it was uh, uh, William Branham would do stuff like that. The Lord showed me, you know, you've got your, your safe, combination of your safe is, you know, 87, 36, 24. And, and in there, you've got, you know, a, a wad of cash. You need to sow that. Well, that would be familiar spirits, right? That's not the spirit of God doing that. That's familiar spirits. But see, five seconds before that, he just got somebody healed of some brain cancer, right? And so wouldn't you do that? I mean, if you didn't know better, wouldn't you do that? Well, that's the problem, right? That's the problem that Elisha was avoiding. He's not going to, no, I'm not receiving that. Later on, if you want to send an offering to the ministry, none of my business, but right now we're not doing it because it looks like you're buying the anointing. You, can't, you should never do that. Now, I would encourage you, don't ever do that, right? If, if the Lord blesses you in a, in a special way, don't offer the person who helped the Lord do that for you to, a payment for that because it's disrespectful to the Lord Jesus. You're, you're, you're paying for the anointing of God, and, and it's what's the value of that? I mean, people, you know, will spend. You remember the the woman with the uh, with the issue of blood there in Mark chapter four? It says she spent all she had, and it was nothing better, but rather grew worse. She spent all she had on doctors. People will spend every penny they've got to get better. And if you can get them better by by uh, just laying hands on them, what do you think they'd be glad to give you? Anything they've got. So you've got to be careful about that. It's really easy to fall into that trap. And so what Jack Coe would do, he'd get up and he'd start out, you know, he was real boisterous, you know, he's kind of a showman, right? And, and you know, I, I got no problem with that. Some, that's just some people's personality. It's not my personality, no. But some people are just super outgoing and, you know, they're just that way, right? Like a used car salesman, you know. Not that's a bad thing or a good thing, but it's just, you know, it's just the way they are, right? And, and so kind of a showman. Uh, and, and, but the Spirit of God was there. And he would have some spectacular miracle. Somebody get out of a wheelchair, throw away crutches, you know, uh, arthritis be gone. Some spectacular miracle. Praise God. I mean, he, had, he would have a, on a stage piles of wheelchairs and, and crutches and, uh, and all kinds of stuff like that where people have gotten healed and gotten out of, uh, out of these situations, which is fine, right? I was obviously, the Lord. And, uh, but then he would stop the service. So let's receive an offering right now. So what do you think everybody wants to do when they see a baby get healed of cancer or, you know, a, a, you know someone's child get raised up from the dead? What do you think everybody's going to do? Just here, here's my inheritance. Just take it all. Right? Just take it all. Uh, and, and it was, and, and the Lord spoke to Brother Hagin. You go tell him that's wrong. It's just wrong. You don't do that. Why? Because we've got an example of how you're supposed to operate in the ministry. When, you, when a notable miracle happens, and people are, are full of joy, and they would want to give you anything. No, you don't take anything, nothing. 
In, in fact, you know, we, we started a church in uh, uh, first March of 2008. And um, the Lord spoke to me. He said, don't even receive an offering. Because a lot of people were coming to just support us. And, you know, people weren't planning on being part of our church, but they just wanted to support us personally uh, starting a, the ministry, which is fine, right? And the Lord said, don't receive an offering because they're not part of your church. They're here to help you, to, to encourage you, you know, and that's fine. Don't receive an offering. And people thought I was crazy. People told me, you're crazy. You know, in fact, they said, you had so many people there, you could have had a big offering. That's what they told me. And I thought, but I just told them, you know, I stood from the pulpit, said the Lord said, don't receive an offering. And they said, I was wrong. But the Lord told me not. So you tell me that the Lord's wrong? How, does that even seem wrong to you? For me to get up and say, the Lord said, don't receive an offering. How would that be wrong? I mean, why would you, in sitting down, think that, that would be wrong? You know why? Because they were thinking, if I was in your shoes, I would take a double offering up. That's, that's why they said that was wrong, because if they were in my shoes, they would take advantage of you all visiting and, and double up on their offer. Amen? And, you know, I just, I'm not playing that game. You know, I'll never play, because I'm convinced no matter what I do, if I do right, I, the Lord will always take care of me. Always take care of me. I'm not in fear. I'm not in fear like, oh, we've got a big crowd. If I don't receive an offering right now, I might miss out on, the, on the, all this money from this crowd today. That's just, that is merchandise, and that will get you in trouble. You know, and so Jack Coe was 38 years old, died. You know, he, he could have been, I could have been, he could have been alive when I was alive. Right? He died, you know, in the 50s. I was born in the 60s. I could have seen his ministry if he, if he had just done right, if he if he loved, uh, done right by that time, because he was about... Brother Hagin's age, I guess, at that time, uh, and um, uh, just blew it, right? Because I guess he never read Second Kings chapter five, right? So Naaman tried to offer him money. He said no, uh, and so uh, what did he do? He says, um, uh, so he said it to him, "Go in peace." So he departed from him a little way. And Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, "Behold, my master hath spared Naaman the Syrian." in not receiving at his hands that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. So Gehazi followed after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has sent me, saying, Behold, even now there be uh, come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray, thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. So that's what he offered. Now, you know, I got a little footnote in my Bible. Uh, two talents of silver is $384,000. Naaman's like, I'm the general of Syria. I'm worth a lot of money. You know, here's, here's a couple hundred thousand dollars. It'd be really hard to say no thank you to $384,000, don't you think? Let me write it out right now. How many zeros is that? Well, it's, you know, $384,000. That's, you know, uh, uh, that's three zeros right the, after 384, right? Uh, and so that's a lot of money. How much temptation is that to you? I mean, you know, if it's a dollar, it'd be like, eh, just keep it, you know. If it's $384,000, we would say, well, maybe the Lord will take it, make an exception. And Elisha's like, no, well, we don't, we're not doing this, right? Uh, there's no, no money worth the anointing of God. At least, you know, there shouldn't be. So what did Gehazi do? He lied. Now, see, uh, Elisha was a great example for us to follow in how he served Elijah, but Gehazi also was a servant, but he's not a good example, right? So that's why we're contrasting him. He's not, a, he's not of the same soul of Elisha, right? Uh, and, but he should have been. Uh, and he said, uh, so he lied. So number one, he's lying, right? Uh, and he's greedy. And so Naaman said, be content, take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver, two bags, and two chains of garments, laid upon two of his servants. Uh, and uh, oh, so he had asked for a talent of silver and two changes of garments. So one talent of silver is $384,000. Name said, I'll tell you what, I'll double it up. I'll give you two talents of silver. So a talent of silver is really heavy, right? It's a lot of silver, obviously. It's, it's, uh, and this Bible was, you know, 1992 or so. So you multiply that by 20 years. Uh, two talents of silver is $768,000 at this point in time, right? Uh, and, uh, and so that's what Naaman gave to him. And when he came to the tower, uh, he took... Uh, took them from his hand and bestowed them in the house and he let the men go and they departed. And so, so Gehazi's thinking, I mean, if I wrote you a check for $768,000, you'd probably be set for a while, right? You go to Burger King, you could even get dessert, right? I mean, you know, you, you'd do all right. 
Amen. Uh, and so even today, I mean, $768,000 today would be pretty good money, right? Uh, and so, uh, but he went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went no whither. Now here's the thing, I'll read these next two verses, and then we'll ask a question, and then, then we'll go. And he said unto him, Went not mine heart with thee, when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Is it time to receive money? and to receive garments, and olives, olive yards, and vineyards, and sheep, and oxen, and men servants, and maidservants. See, is it time? That, that's the question for us. Is it time? Right? Uh, when somebody wants to give you a blessing, are there any strings attached? Or was it, was it something that the Lord did as, as a kindness to somebody? You know, there, there is a, you know, because the question is, sometimes there is a time to receive these things, right? No problem, right? I got no problem. I've given lots of big offerings to people over the years. No problem. But there's no strings attached, right? You know, if I get an offering and, and I uh, take the offering out of the basket, and oh, and, oh, wait, there's a string attached to it, right? That we don't go anywhere. You know, of course, we don't ever do that, right? Nobody's ever... Uh, well, we did have one fellow one time said, if you answer a question, I'll put an offering in the, uh, uh, in, in the offering on, on Sunday, right? <laughs> and I said, well, we don't play that game. We don't do that. You want to give an offering? Fine. You want to ask a question? Fine. We don't get paid to answer questions, right? It's, now, he was just being silly, but, you know, we're not going to cross the line. And we're not, you know, uh, you, you offer me whatever. You know, I'm not a hired servant, amen? Uh, and so, so is it time to do that? Well, it wasn't time at this point in time. He said, the leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from the presence as a leper as white as snow. Uh, here, here's, a, here's the thing that's interesting, though. What was, what was the role that Elisha had? What was he? He was a prophet, right? Don't prophets know things? Didn't he say, didn't my heart went with thee? Well, why would, why would Gehazi go and take this money from Naaman and lie to him and get all this money if the prophet knew? Well, it tells you right there that the prophet doesn't always know. Sometimes he knows. Sometimes he doesn't know, right? Uh, no one except for the Spirit of God knows everything. Uh, amen? And so, uh, uh, so the, the, and that's the thing. Uh, what Gehazi did is he rolled the dice. Because you know he'd been with uh, Elisha long enough to, to know that, you know, some things he doesn't know. He knows a lot of things, but he doesn't apparently know everything, so I'm going to roll the dice and hope that he doesn't know this thing. Uh, and... and and I always told that to my kids. I said, you know, the Lord tells me a lot of things that, that you guys do. He doesn't tell me everything, but you're willing to roll the dice. You know, I can't tell you how many times the Lord told me something about my kids. And they go tell them about it, you know, and, and, or ask them questions. And, and there are things that I know that I don't think I know that I do know. That I've never told them that I know. Because, you know, it wasn't important. But, uh, you know, a lot of times I would know things, right? And, and so, are you willing to roll the dice? Yeah, I don't know. Gehazi was willing to roll the dice. What did it cost him? cost him a lifetime of leprosy right uh, and so so you got the contrast of elisha great servant of elijah got a double portion because of his uh, of his being uh, like-minded like paul like paul said he like timothy was to him uh, of equal soul right elisha just wanted to do exactly what elijah did except even twice as much uh, gehazi wanted to use his position for his personal gain uh, and it's just such a shame. It's a shame that, that uh, has anything changed in the world yet? No, it's still the same way, right? It'll uh, always be the same. Some people you get, they're just always in it for themselves. Other people you get, they're always there to help, right? Uh, now, the people that are always there to help, will, the Lord will promote them. I can guarantee you the Lord will always promote people like that. Uh, give them increase and blessings, you know. They may stay in that position maybe forever, if that's their position forever. But if it's not their position forever, the Lord will promote them. You know, I was a sound man for 18 years. In fact, I knew the day I started running sound for my pastor, not long after we got married, that I would do this. I would not do this forever. And I did it for 18 years, which some people that sounds like forever. It wasn't forever. But I, I remember talking to somebody else in the church. Uh, it was associate pastor, and I said, you know, someday I won't be running sound. Someday I'll be in the ministry. And I just not do. And I didn't know how, when, or where. You know, some people know, right? I, I was, I always felt like I was slow. I always felt like getting in ministry was slow. And I, I knew from the day I was born again at 15 years old, I'd be in the ministry. But, it, it, you know, some people, they just 15 years and one day they're in the ministry. Uh, it wasn't my path. You know, for whatever reason, it wasn't my path. 
Maybe, maybe you know, the Lord just really wanted to work some things out of my life before we got there. But whatever, the re- I knew I'd be there. But it just took a while, right? And, and so, uh, but I told somebody in the ministry, you know, someday I, I'll, I won't be running sound. I'll be in the ministry. And he looked at me and said, I don't ever see you doing anything but running sound. And I just made a mental note. This person will never help me get to where I'm supposed to be, right? Because I knew where I was supposed to be. And I, was, and I was doing, I was studying, I was praying, you can ask my wife, I mean, I studied at home, prayed at home, wrote, you know, uh, studied scriptures, had all, had all the study material there, uh, concordances and dictionaries and everything, right? Not in the ministry, but I had all the material, studying, doing the, my job, in, in preparation for the ministry, long before I was in the ministry, and this person said, I don't see you ever being uh, anything but a sound man. Why? Because I was a good sound man. And good sound men, as I know, are hard to find right jared's a great sound man and, and you know if the lord uh if the lord uh, promotes jared out of being a sound man you know we gotta hire 16 more people right and so uh it's uh you know he does a good job amen and i did a good job and but the lord had a replacement for me uh, when and if jared uh, gets promoted out of that role there will be a, uh, somebody as qualified as jared that will fit that role right we don't have to go backwards we can always go forward in fact you know we're believing god that we we find somebody that helped back up Jared because he's one man band, right? Uh, and if he's traveling or, you know, on vacation or something, because we travel and go on vacation, he kind of likes to go with us sometimes. And, you know, uh, and the Lord will provide, right? He'll provide. We'll, we'll find somebody of equal, of equal ability. Uh, and uh, and we, I know, you know, Doris fills in great uh, oftentimes uh, whenever, Jared's, whenever Jared's there. But, you know, if you only do one thing, how often do you do it, Doris? Like twice a year, right? And, and Jared, Jared makes a thousand, you know, I mean, it, it's like he's octopus, right? You ever see him run? He's got the, over here, over there, over there. And, you know, if you don't do that every service, you know, it, it's like, it, it's like uh, uh, Greek, you know. Uh, and then Jared will change. <laughs> yeah, because there's some, yeah, because there's some obscure button. Oh, you didn't push that button? Well, how would I know to push the button? You know, and Jared's like, you, well, you should have known, push the button, right? Uh, and so, uh but, you know, the, the, and the Lord, so the Lord's gracious, you know, but the um, times and seasons, amen. So, so those are two examples. And, and out of this, you know, what I encourage you to do is have the heart of Elisha, right? Whatever role you're in, do that role. Be great at that role. And when I was a sound man, you know, I, I, was, I tried to be the very best sound man I could. I'd read books about it and study about it and train, you know, find out what this knob does and what that knob does and uh, and, and, you know, I'm not a sound man anymore, but, um, uh, you know, as a pastor, I'm still, you know, what does this word mean? What does that word mean? You know, what do these references mean? You know, same, same thing, right? And, and so it's uh, uh, follow after Paul's example with Timothy, that he found somebody like-minded to him, right, of equal soul. What Paul wants is what I want. What Elijah wanted is what I want, right? Gehazi was what I want is what I want. So that's the difference, right? Uh, the people that, that were the greatest people, Elisha and Timothy. Uh, I mean, how many books of the Bible are named after you? There's not a first or second chip anywhere, right? Uh, but there's a first or second Timothy. That's how important Timothy was to Paul, right? Uh, and so, uh, and first and second Timothy are great books, amen? Uh, so, so we want to have that same, that same uh, heart and attitude that Timothy had towards Paul and Elisha had towards Elijah, Amen. And look at the great examples. There's plenty of great examples in the Bible, right? Even how David was to Saul, as terrible as Saul was to him, David's, you know, I have read that story so many times because I felt like a kinship with David many times that, you know, I felt like my very life was being attacked oftentimes, you know. (laughs) And so uh, I spent a lot of time reading about David and how he handled those situations because it helped me, amen. Uh, And I wanted to have the heart of David and not the heart of Gehazi, amen. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. And, Father, we thank you that as servants of the Most High God, that, that you will always watch over us, protect us, keep us, and, and encourage us, Father. And, Father, there are times to receive uh, blessings and increase from you, but there are times not to receive blessing and increase, Father, from the hands of men. And, Father, we thank you that, that we are not moved by the amount. We're not moved by the person. Father, we're only moved by your spirit. And we will not sell your spirit, Father, for any gain in the entire world, Lord. We will stay the course. We will stay people of great character. And so we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, praise God, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. You, you know, for me personally, this is an area that I've spent a lot of time uh, just talking to the Lord, meditating to the Lord about, uh, you know, because what, what would happen if we raised somebody dead from the, uh, from the dead tomorrow in this church right here, right? In, this, in the ministry in Dayton, Tennessee? What would happen if somebody, you know, was here and they fell dead and it was noted and, you know, and we, you know the EMTs came in, they said, yep, he's dead, call it. And the Lord had us pray for them. They were raised from the dead right there. We would have a thousand people here tomorrow, right? Uh, what would we do in the ministry? What would, how would our hearts change, right? Uh, would we suddenly, you know, get all puffed up and go, yeah, this is the only church where God moves, you know, you need to come here. Uh, I mean, what would we do, right? I, I meditate on that a lot. You know, Lord, you know, my heart's going to stay right. Because I want them to do that. Now, I'm not, not going to kill anybody, obviously, but, you know, uh, you know, but I, I, don't you want signs and wonders and miracles? Amen. Come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. But, uh, and we do, right? We do have uh, plenty of miracles, but they're, they're generally speaking miracles of faith because we believe in God. But, you know, there'll be times when there are miracles of the Spirit, right, where the, where the Spirit of God moves in a special way. And that happens too, uh, but they're not as spectacular as, you know, like raising somebody from the dead. Uh, but I believe the Lord wants to do that, uh, but we always have to be preparing our hearts to do that amen we have to in fact i'll tell you this and we'll go one thing that uh, you know, uh a while back brother uh, brother randy was talking to the lord about signs and wonders and miracles right is it the lord's will for signs and wonders and miracles to be in the church 100 percent. so the will of god right uh, and does the bible say many times desire spiritual gifts amen it says that many times right desire spiritual gifts so should we desire miracles in the church absolutely should desire miracles in the church uh, and um you know, Brother Randy's just praying, Lord, send the miracles. And the Lord spoke to him one time. He said, you know, he said, uh, you're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you for your hearts to be ready to do this. Amen. Because I believe in 1958, he had to cut off those great moves of the Spirit because if he didn't, the anointing and the power of God, would just, everybody would just burn up, right? Just, just because there's so much carnality in the church, in the, especially in the leadership of the church, that if he didn't cut it off, you know, people would have just burst into flames right there and just, you know, would have made it to heaven and there it was just a mess you know people got so out of balance in those things and and i believe what the lord's been doing really since then is laying the groundwork of the word of god to get the word of god solid in our hearts so that when those things do happen in, in the spectacular ways like that that we have the word of god as our foundation and not miracles because that's what happened with the people in the in the healing revival is their foundation was miracles so they had no foundation of the word if you don't have the foundation of the world, you'll never make it. You'll never be successful, amen? So when those miracles happen, and if you got the foundation of the word of God, then we'll be safe, amen? Uh, and so, praise God. We'll be blessed. Don't forget, we have uh, prayer uh, Friday night, 7 p.m. here at the church, and Miss Marilyn will be with us on Sunday morning at 10.30, amen? Uh, we'll see you then.